Well, good morning, friends, and happy Eastertide. I realize that's not a normal word, Eastertide, but it is the season that we are in where we recognize that the great Easter celebration that we had last week Sunday where we celebrate that the tomb was empty and the Christ has risen, that's Easter, but we are also now in this 50-day period called Easter Tide, where we recognize that what happened to him is also to happen to us and for this entire created world. I hope you've noticed in weeks past as you came into the sanctuary on the outer rim of this place in our art gallery there, there was all kinds of different images telling the story of Jesus, his life, his death, and his resurrection. That was, of course, for our season where we were asking the question again and again, who is this man? Who is this man called Jesus? Now as we step into the Eastertide season and after he has risen from the dead, we are asking yet another one. Who are we? And who are we in him? The quick answer to that question is right on the cover of your bulletin. We are ones who are being made new. We look forward to unpacking that together. But as we gather for worship this morning, I invite you to stand with me and join together in a prayer of invocation. So please stand and I'll pray. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, for you have made heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ you are indeed making all things new. For in his birth you dignified life on this planet of dirt. In his teaching you taught us how to live. In his dying you conquered death, and in his rising, you made it possible for us to rise to and even for us to be made new. To that end, this morning we pray, let it be with us according to your word, O Lord our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, amen. amen. Sing together, I raise a hallelujah. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I raise a hallelujah. 
would you join me in prayer? Holy God, creator of the universe and loving Father, we thank you that by your power you raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Indeed, death has been conquered and the king is alive. We thank you that this same resurrection power is at work within us as your people. We confess that we are often consumed with the worries and pursuits of this world, and we miss seeing the risen Christ active in this world and in our lives. We confess that we too often rely on our own strength instead of yielding to your power at work within us. And so we ask for your forgiveness and for new eyes to see the resurrected Christ among us. Wash us clean and make us new as we fix our eyes on you. And using the words on the screen, let's continue praying together. Lord, open our eyes to see you in our midst. Lord, open our ears to hear your voice. Lord, renew our minds to carry your truth. Lord, break our hearts to love like you love. Lord, move our feet to join in your kingdom work. Lord, open our mouths to sing your praise. Amen. Let's sing together. Our Father everlasting, the all-creating one, God Almighty.
siblings in Christ, it is because of Jesus' death and resurrection, his life, death, and resurrection, that we have peace with God and with one another. The peace of Christ be with you. Would you share a sign of that peace with your neighbor as you are comfortable? Well, good morning, church, friends, and guests. The Lord be with you. In addition to this being the beginning of a season called Eastertide, did you know that also this Sunday in particular, the Sunday after Easter, is also called Laughter Sunday? <laughs> Laughter Sunday. And it is that because of the great exuberant joy that kind of bubbles up and flows over based on the news of Easter Sunday, an empty tomb and a risen Christ. So in the spirit of... Laughter Sunday, I wonder if you can join me in offering your best fake laugh on three, out loud, okay? One, two, three. <laughs> oh, so good. I didn't hear any snorts, but uh, that was good. It's fun how the fake turns into the real, so uh, it's, it's a very, very good thing. My name is Ross Dielman, one of the pastors here at Fellowship Church, where together our mission is to love God and others as an accepting community centered in Christ and focused on developing faithful followers of Jesus. We're glad for the many of you who are joining us in that particular mission, and I want to offer a simple way to live into it even today or even this coming week, and that would be to just take a look around today or even in weeks past and notice if there's anyone that you've been missing. And if there's someone that you are missing lately in our midst, what better could we do than to send a text or a phone call or a note and say, I miss you, and let them know that they are loved and that they do belong here as well. After all, we are seeking to be that kind of a community, one in which we all belong together, where we are known and loved and challenged and missed when we are gone. So it's a simple thing that you could do even this week. You could also uh, uh, join in uh, letting us know how you are finding this uh, Easter life that we are talking about uh, in our midst. And we have these values cards out back there, and you can grab one of them today or, or next week Sunday. They'll be available too. Please do give some of the feedback of what you're experiencing here at Fellowship, including the hopes we have for our life together. If you happen to be brand new, we'd love to get to know you. We have some connection cards available. If you would make yourself known, we'd love to draw you in uh, all the more uh, if you are comfortable with that. And if you've been around a bit and you maybe are considering joining us formally, uh, we have next week Sunday a new members class called Discover Fellowship Cafe. You are certainly welcome to join that. Uh, it is in the early afternoon, over the lunch hour, a couple hours, and it ends with the possibility of joining membership here at Fellowship. There's also opportunity for baptism. If you're seeking that for yourself or your new child or someone you know, you can pass that on. There's QR car, uh, codes in, the, uh, in your bulletin. You could simply snag one of those and get involved with that. 
I want to celebrate with you also last week's Easter joy, including that we had an Easter offering that was particularly targeted towards Ukrainian refugees in Europe. And I want to simply bless God and thank you for responding to that call. Already about $4,500 have come in and gone to that cause through our denomination. And of course, that's alongside, in addition to uh, all the funds that support the local mission and uh, ministry here of Fellowship Church. So thanks be to God for responding in that way and giving generously as you so often do, Fellowship. Today we have a couple big events, including right at the end of this service is our congregational meeting. We're doing it in a way that right after this service we'll have a little Bible trivia on the screen and then you just simply stick around and join us if you are willing. Uh, and we'll have a very brief congregational meeting uh, immediately after the service here. And then after that, uh, those who would like to join us, we're going to scoot over to the gym and jump into our Walk for Water. I forgot my jug, Nate. Today is Walk for Water event, and we are going to go walking for water from here, this church, to Lake Michigan, Tunnel Park, and back. It is intended to be uh, a, a fun and also a very meaningful opportunity for us to be a part of the solution of uh, the world water problems. And so if you haven't signed up yet, you certainly can join us. Uh, we're going to do so uh, again immediately after our uh, other activities here in the sanctuary this morning. This is, you probably, this is not full, could you tell? <laughs> <laughs> I wish we could throw it like that if it was not full, but... Hey, uh, kids, you are invited now to scoot out and go off to your various discipleship opportunities with Miss Betsy and the others out back. And we, together in here, are going to continue in worship. So I invite you to stand and as we offer our hearts and our minds to God through this song in preparation for the preaching of the word. Please stand. Speak, O oh Lord, as we come to you to receive the food of your holy word. Take your truth planted deep in us, shape and fashion us in your Cause 
You may be seated. That God would speak to us afresh through his word. That is certainly our heart's desire for this moment. And so we're going to continue in that same posture of prayer that the song ushered us into as we read a portion of God's word as it comes to us from John chapter 21, beginning with the first verse and going through the 17th. If you want to follow along with the Bible that's in your uh, chair, under the chairs in front of you, it's on page 883. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathan of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going to go fishing. They said to him, we'll go with you. They went out and got in the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, No. As a pause, why are they listening to this guy if they don't recognize who it is yet? But they do, and so they cast their nets in, and now they were able to haul it in because they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple, John, who Jesus loved, said to Peter, It's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and he jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far off the land, only a hundred yards or so. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal, charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come, let's have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took bread and gave it to them. And he did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus had appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Peter said to him, Yes, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time, Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because it had been the third time that he asked, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. This is the word of the Lord. It must have been quite the scene. The band was all back together for a, a reunion of sorts, wasn't it? I say a reunion because this is the same beach, the same people that were there back in Luke chapter 4 when Jesus called them to be his disciples. They had spent a night fishing, and they came up skunked yet again. And then Jesus said, go cast your nets again. And they brought in a boatloads of fish. 
I say it's a reunion also because that shore that they were sitting on as they looked out, they couldn't help but remember that it was Jesus that they were with on that same water just a couple months ago. And they were caught in this big squall of a storm and they were like, Jesus, where are you? And he was sleeping in the front of the boat and he said, calm the storm. And as they were sitting there having breakfast with bread and fish, how could they not be thinking about what had happened a few months ago as well on the other side of that sea when Jesus took five loaves and two fish and broke it and fed 5,000? And then as they were coming home from that, they were going over that same sea to the same shore, and Jesus started walking on water to them. This is a reunion of the class of, of 04 BC with the same students and their teacher all gathered together in one place. And yet, everything has changed, hasn't it? The waft of those incredible events that had happened on that first Easter are still lingering in their senses. Jesus, while somewhat recognizable, is in resurrected form no longer just their teacher and rabbi. He is now the risen Lord, the Savior of the world, and they know that. The resurrection has changed everything, which is why we as a faith community, as Fellowship Church, are embarking on a sermon series this uh, Eastertide, as Ross taught us, entitled Being Made New. In light of the resurrection, our very lives are invited to turn, to change, to be made new because the resurrection changes everything. Jim Barr is a part of our pastoral care team, affectionately known as JB. He likes to sit in the rocker back there where he is seated right now. There are few that many of us that have been around fellowship for a little while would rather have at our side when we're going through a difficult time because JB loves well and cares deeply. That is, when you can get a hold of him. You know that there's a challenge when you try to get a hold of JB because if he is not at home with his landline, you have about a 10% chance of catching him on his cell phone because his cell phone is a 2008 Motorola flip phone that fits very well in the cup holder of his Ford whatever little SUV that he gallivants all around town in. And you know, if it fits so well in the cup holder, why even take it out when you go into somebody's house or go to the store or go to church? It just sits there effectively becoming a car phone. <laughs> that is, until recently, until recently, JB has been made new because JB has in, entered into the land of smartphones. JB has an iPhone, come on! You can text JB, but don't expect to text back because this phone is very new and very nice and kind of expensive and you don't want to lose it or damage it so you should probably just keep it at home unless you really need it. Some could say that this is just JB being the same old JB with a different phone and that's probably true and yet his relationship with technology has been made new in a way 
And it's kind of funny, yes, but I think it reveals something to us as well about how we are made new in Christ. One is that we're never done growing. We're never done being made new. It's not a one-time event. It's a lifetime of following Jesus. Yes, JB's relationship with technology has progressed significantly in the last couple of months, but it also points to his willingness to change, to adapt, to be made new, not just in technology, but in faith. It also points to the reality that being made new is not always easy. Sometimes steps forward are very costly, and new challenges uh, that are, might, might be unexpected in our relationship with Jesus surface. And yet, our longing in this series that we're calling Made New is that the power, that the Spirit uh, and the Spirit's power in our lives might do something new in each and every one of us and new in us as a community so that we can, with Paul, say that anyone who is in, new, in, in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone and the new is coming. What exactly do we mean when we say that we are being made new? That's certainly the task of the next couple of weeks. And we're going to look at how we are being made new with our eyes and our ears and our, 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 our feet as we walk along. And I've been thinking, what would it be like for us to have a good theme song for this new series? And I was like, Jess, I got a song for you. Because I think that what's important in a theme song is one that a lot of people know one that we like to sing a little bit, and maybe one that even the kids would know. You know it too, don't you? Head, shoulders, knees, and toes, knees, and toes. Head, shoulders, knees, and toes, knees, and toes. Eyes, and ears, and mouth, and nose. Head, shoulders, knees, and toes, knees. Okay, now faster. No, just kidding. This morning, uh, we are going to take a look at what it means to be made new with our eyes. We'll save the rest of the parts for later on. But that's fitting, right? As we've been journeying through John's gospel for the last 20 chapters, and recurringly, as J Ross pointed out last week, we've been invited to come and see, see what Jesus is up to by the disciples, by Jesus himself, and even by the woman at the well. And John doesn't just invite us to see what's happening on the surface. John always invites us to see what that is pointing to as a sign of God's work in this world. My kids uh, have gotten into a, a new Netflix series the last couple of days, and it's about the, the world's national parks or the national monuments of what we would call God's creation. <laughs> and in these uh, shows, it's amazing cinematography because it, it takes you on these enormous pans of the Pacific Ocean or over the Amazon forest, and then through videographers that are way beyond me, you get to see and, and, and experience new life that happens under the surface of the water or under the surface of the canopy of the forest. You get to see, yes, those beautiful pans of the Pacific Ocean, and then the camera shoots under, no, under, uh, underneath, and you see the forest of plankton with its little fish that are eating off of the plankton, and, and, and the ways in which that plankton also provides a little buffer for the sharks that are ready to eat the fish, and the coral that's underneath them, that, that, that's new life that you don't even, we don't even understand fully yet. It's a show like probably some other ones that we've watched where we get to go, what I would say, under the hood of creation 
getting a, a, a deeper look at what's really happening. And I want to do that this morning with Jesus' interaction with Peter on the beach that those 2,000 years ago. I want to look at those three questions that Jesus asked Peter and consider for ourselves, what does that tell us about the way that God sees us? And then we might be able to think about how we might see the world differently. First, how does God see us? On the surface of this conversation, we see some really inter interesting things that are happening between Jesus and Peter. The first is kind of the timing of it, right? I mean, they had just had breakfast, and it was really explicit that John said that they served bread and fish, and Jesus was the host. Can you remember the last time in the Gospel of John that the disciples were gathered with Jesus for a meal? It was at the table, the big table, the, the place where Jesus would predict that Peter would deny him not once, not twice, but three times. Not just the timing of this encounter, but also the location of it, right? It, it, the gospel says, or John says, that, that, that it was over a charcoal fire that Jesus cooked bread and fish. Hmm, do you remember the last time there was a charcoal fire in the Gospel of John? It was in the temple courts. John and Peter had followed Jesus to his court hearing with Pontius Pilate, and Peter was standing by the charcoal fire warming himself when someone asked him, Hey, aren't you one of his disciples? The second and third of, Jesus, of Peter's denials of who Jesus is. That doesn't seem like a coincidence to me. And not only the location and the timing, but also the garb that Peter was wearing. Peter wasn't dressed up in priestly garb. He had thrown on whatever he could find in the boat, probably soaking wet because he literally jumped in the sea. And Jesus encounters him as he is, as a fisherman, stinky, wet, gross, you might say. And not only that, but the content of the conversation, right? Three times Jesus asks him the same question, do you love me? And three times Peter says, yes, you know I love you. It's an opportunity for Peter to redeem himself, to be made new with Jesus. Jesus sees Peter, and he gives him a chance to do this even after his three-turn denial. That's what we see on the surface, right? But if we pick up the hood a little bit and look a little bit deeper, we see something even more amazing about how Jesus sees us. Just a little mini Greek lesson. You know that there's three Greek words for the verb to love, right? There's eros love, which I'll let Pastor Ross talk about some other time, which you can kind of spell out what that might be, a phile love and agape love. Phile love is uh, the kind of love that we probably exhibit the most. It's the most common form of human love. Some might call it brotherly love, as in Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. It, it's a distinctively human love with some limitations. Agape love would be the kind of pinnacle word for love in the Greek language. 
It's the sacrificial love. It's the willingness to go to the ultimate lengths on behalf of love for another person. It's the kind of love maybe that we parents uh, strive for or yearn to have for our kids, but probably don't always reach. In many ways, it's a love that is just beyond our capacity. In an article entitled, Can We Be Good Without God?, Glenn Tender said this about agape love. When John wrote that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, he illuminated the sacrificial character of divine love. This is the mark of agape. It's entirely selfless. If one could love others without judging them, if one could love others without asking anything of them, if one could love others thinking of one's own, without thinking of one's own needs, this would be meet the Christian standard of agape love. Agape love is deep, selfless, totally for the other person. Knowing the difference between these two kinds of loves is important when we look under the hood on this little exchange, because this is how the conversation would go in the Greek. Jesus asked Peter, do you agape me? Do you love me the way that I love you? Peter responds, Yes, Lord, you know I file you. Second time, Jesus asked Peter, Do you agape me? Peter responds, Yes, Lord, you know I file you. Feed my sheep, tend my sheep. The weight of this moment is hard to overstate. Peter has to have a sense for what is going on here. He's being asked by Jesus about his love for him after he professed to everyone at the table, everyone knows that Jesus predicted that he was going to deny them. Everyone knows that Peter failed miserably. And here he is again with Jesus on the beach. And a third time, Jesus says, Peter, do you file me? To this, Peter responds, you know everything, Lord. You know I file you and feed my sheep. Do you see what Jesus just did here? Instead of demanding agape love from Peter, he embodied it. He selflessly gave up what he was hoping for or expecting from Peter so that Peter could answer with integrity, yes, Lord, you know I file you. Only the kind of love that Peter could actually fulfill. Jesus embodied agape by sacrificing what he might expect or would expect from Peter. Jesus sees Peter's limitations. Jesus sees Peter's inadequacy and doesn't demand agape, but invites phile love. Which I think is really good news for us. Because Jesus sees you. And you are not inadequate. You are enough for Jesus because of his agape love for you. Jesus sees you amidst your warts and imperfections. Jesus sees you with your inadequacies and your failures. Jesus sees you no matter what you have done or will do in the future. Jesus sees. Jesus sees you filled with shame about how life has gone for you so far. Jesus sees you in your denial, in your betrayal, in your not enoughness for Jesus. 
and with whatever you are able to give back, Jesus says, love me. I love you. I've gone to the extreme length to express this love for you, and that is enough for you. Your filet love is enough. My agape love will cover the rest. Jesus sees you with your limitations and says, I still love you. And, and Jesus invites us to see the world differently, to see the world the way that he sees us. If this is how God sees us, the second question we want to ask this morning is how might we see the world anew? How might our eyes be made new in light of God's amazing love for us? I think this exchange with Peter gives us three clues about how we can see the world differently. The first clue is if we kind of take Jesus' command to Peter three times, said in a little different way, quite literally, when he says, feed my sheep, tend my sheep, and feed my lambs, or something like that. It's a call for us to care for people, to see people that are uh, in need, you might say, with the same eyes that Jesus sees them, as humans, as deserving of love and dignity. That's why we, as a church, kind of seek ways in which we might love folks with love and dignity in this world. And I've seen you doing this already, mostly in the past week in our relationship with Community Action House. Two specific ways, I found out. Did you know that there's a group of people here at Fellowship Church that volunteer every month uh, at two different kind of uh, shifts with Community Action House's grocery store? It's a place where folks that are experiencing food insecurity can buy food with dignity, and, are, and that's at a reduced price because people like Fellowship Church and other place Christians in Holland are volunteering their time at, at this grocery store. I heard this week that the, the group that's volunteering two times a month, the demand to, to join that volunteer team is so large that Shane Werfel, who's leading us, has, has added a third shift because there's so many people that see this need and want to get involved in it. And the second thing is a new way in which we're getting involved with kind of seeing the humanity and dignity of all people. And, and that's through a, a program called Refresh that Community Action House does with First United Methodist. It's a program where uh, folks that are experiencing homelessness can come to a, a safe and warm place and, and take a shower, get cleaned up, uh, to be meet with social workers who can provide resources for them that are available to them in our community. Every Wednesday night, there is a group of people that serve this community dinner. Hot, healthy, well-cooked meal, home-cooked meals for folks that might not even have a kitchen or have access to the same kind of kitchen uh, things that some of us do. Marlon Viss, who's a friend of Fellowship Church, has been trying to organize people uh, to, to kind of come and serve, Christians, churches, to kind of come and serve these meals. And this past week, we've found two new people that will potentially help us lead uh, this ministry once a month with uh, Community Action House and at First United Methodist and the Refresh Program, feeding folks uh, uh, that are experiencing homelessness in our community. These are just two ways that we as a community uh, allow, have allowed Jesus' uh, sight to be our sight, to be, to be made new quite literally in Jesus' command to feed and tend sheep. 
The second is that uh, way clue that I think this text gives us is that we can see people with love and humanity and dignity, but we can all physically, but we can also do that kind of spiritually as well. I wonder who uh, in your life are the people that need uh, you to kind of walk alongside of them, to show them love and grace like Jesus has shown you. Maybe it's the child of someone you know that's going through a divorce and you're going to willing to take them in for a couple hours. Maybe it's someone who has been recently bound to a care facility and you commit to going to see them every week or every month. Maybe it's a vulnerable child who needs a reading buddy at your local school. Maybe it's someone you know that's had a recent diagnosis or an operation that needs a ride back and forth. Maybe it's a family that you know who's working hard to make ends meet but just quite can't quite get there. And so they joined into a circles program with Good Samaritan Ministries and you're going to walk alongside of them as they lead into a new life. These are just some of the ways in which you, Fellowship Church, have already been uh, let your eyes be made new to see the spiritual and ultimately needs of those in our community. I'm not sure who it might be for you, but my hunch is that if you pray and ask God to reveal that to you, that he will be faithful uh, in, in uh, letting you see who you might walk alongside of spiritually. And the last thing that I think this text gives us a clue as to how we might see afresh or see anew is not so much in what Jesus did or said is as much as what Jesus did. Peter and Jesus had a pretty significant, what, falling out, we might say. Peter said that he was going to deny him, or Jesus said that Peter was going to deny him, and then Peter does. Peter's stuck, disappointed in himself, feeling kind of crappy about the thing that he did. And Jesus might actually be a little disappointed in Peter as well. And what P Jesus does with Peter is what I've heard as a, fra uh, a phrase that I've heard called a circle back. <laughs> he circled back with them after they had a little feud, and he said, this relationship matters more to me, matters the most to me. I want to be in a loving relationship with you. Even though we've had a little conflict, I'm going to enter back in. And it makes me wonder, someone that likes to avoid difficult conversations sometimes, someone that might have a tendency to kind of try to sweep things under the rug, makes me wonder who I need to circle back with. And maybe you need to wonder that too, or maybe we can wonder that together. I think Jesus embodied a different way in engaging in a difficult conversation and maybe giving us a blueprint for how we might do the same. Jesus and Peter's exchange on the beach reveals to us how God sees us amidst our limitations. And yet, because of his agape love for you, invites you and us and me to see the world differently. He doesn't demand it. He doesn't raise the bar so high that you can't achieve it. But he invites us to be made new again, to be given eyes to see this world the way that he sees it and to see humanity the way that he sees them, us as beloved children. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.
friends, it is this agape love that Pastor Nate has talked about that is the only thing that we can build our lives on um, that will truly make us new. And so we're going to respond in song this morning, um, singing about that. And may this just be our prayer as we um, go into this next week, that God would open our eyes to see not only who he is, who we are, and who the world around us is, and how we might serve them. Would you stand and let's sing together? Let's sing together. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you.
My friends, that is our prayer, that God would open our eyes, that we would see his amazing love for us, and that we might respond in loving this world similarly. In just a moment, we are going to have a congregational meeting uh, for all those that would like to stay. We're going to give you a little two or three minute buffer to head to the bathroom or grab coffee, or if you need to get going, that's fine too. I also want to make you aware that our uh, ballot this this, uh, year for our congregational meeting is on paper. So if you need to scoot for some reason, please uh, fill it out and drop it in. Uh, We'd love to have your uh, feedback uh, in that way. In the meantime, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Go or stay in peace. Uh, See you soon.